Hi everyone, welcome to episode 32 of Kratom Sobriety. I'm your host Jacob, and today on the podcast we have something a little different. Today we have a mother of a gentleman who passed away due to Kratom. So we have Wendy Helpin, who runs a Facebook group called Kratom Danger Awareness and has been an activist pushing and looking to help support those that want to see the regulation of Kratom. So we talk a little bit about how she came to get involved in that through the death of her son. We talk a bit about her son's passing. We talk a little bit about, uh, you know, her experience with dealing and talking to others that have gone through similar situations with family members who have passed away from Kratom. And we talk a little bit about regulation and activism, as well as, you know, her experience with dealing with the AKA and pro-Kratom advocates as well. So it's a really good conversation, and it's it's a bit different than some of our interviews with guests who are struggling to create them themselves, or some of the discussions we've had with journalists and folks in, in the treatment community. Variety Podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, things like, you know, what you do for a living, where you live, what you do for fun, that sort of thing. I'm a retired nurse. I'm a lifelong New Yorker, born and raised in Ogdensburg. For fun, I try to spend as much time as I can with my grandsons. I have three of them, 21, 18, and seven. Concerts, my music is my go-to. Gardening, reading and advocating. That's about my life right now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a nice well-rounded life and good to, good to, good that you have so many healthy hobbies, which is is always nice to hear. So, you tell us a little bit about how you first heard about Kratom, what your history is with the substance because I don't believe you've ever actually used it yourself, correct? I tried it once. Okay. I knew I knew nothing about Kratom until my son started consuming. All I knew about it, it was a natural supplement and he consumed for energy. He was a business owner, owned his own business, and he worked a part-time job uh, for insurance for his three boys. I mean, I'll get okay. into details about all that later, but I did try it after he passed away. Would you tell our audience a little bit about what you know about your son's experience with Kratom? Yes. He consumed Kratom for about, I want to say, almost three years. Like I said, he used it for an energy booster. He was using, which is GMP certified, which we didn't find out until maybe several months ago. I had no clue what Kratom was, like I said. A natural supplement. We all take natural supplements. I mean, I myself use vitamins. Yeah, me too. He lived with me for a few years going through, you know, a bad divorce. So just, you know, we went on, he went on his merry life and... As time went on, I didn't, still didn't pay attention to things. This is kind of hard, but. I'm sorry about that. I want to say about, I don't know, maybe five or six months before he passed away, I witnessed his first grand mal seizure. I did what I had to do, and we called 911. I called 911, and he went to the hospital and did all the tasks, you know, 
CAT scan, MRI, blood work, saw a neurologist, and nothing. The neurologist came back with, because my son worked 50, 60 plus hours a week. So the neurologist said, you know, basically slow down, eat better, hydrate, less stress, because seizures can be brought on from stress and not taking care of yourself. But my son didn't listen. So he's, you know, a couple months later, maybe less than two months, he had another one. But I didn't see that one. He was in the garage getting ready for his job for the next day. Okay. He came in and he was, his face was all banged up. He wouldn't seek help for that one. Again, you know, I told him myself, you need to slow down, Joseph. And it was August 30th of 2020. I had to go away for the weekend out of state. My mom had Alzheimer's. So I had to go to West Virginia to check on her, make sure her home care is okay, et cetera, with her and my stepdad. And... I left on a Saturday, and that Sunday evening I got that phone call that no parent ever wants to get, that my son had died. He actually died while watching TV. Just the medical examiner said he just simply went to sleep. He, it was it. He didn't use alcohol. I mean, he didn't drink. He didn't use illicit drugs. He wasn't on prescription drugs. He didn't even take Tylenol. Oh, also like when they did the, the autopsy or whatever, what they, they yes. saw that he had in was the, was the Kratom. The medical examiner called me the next morning. I was on my way home and I had to actually give him permission to take his brain. They had to rule oh, out wow. seizures because they already had his medical records. They saw nothing. They know no aneurysm, no seizure activity, nothing. No heart attack, no, there was nothing. All they found in his system was un, undigested breakfast from that morning. He didn't even eat dinner. His dinner was marinating in the refrigerator, pork loins. He just went to sleep. He said that they had seen, I mean, it was an unattended death. Okay. His, his middle boy was here playing Xbox, but it was in New York State, it's considered an unattended death because nobody's seen him. Obviously, the state troopers and whatnot were here, so they did see the bag of kratom. But the medical examiner said they had to rule out everything. Drug overdose, foul play. Yeah. They took his phone and a few other things and the bag of kratom. Okay. But until they ruled out everything else, and then they sent his toxicology to N Slabs in Pennsylvania. I believe that's one of the top labs that do test for kratom. And then... It was August, September. In December, I got his autopsy and toxicology report back, and it was accidental mitchadrinine toxicity was the cause of death. He was 38 when he died. So, so sorry you, uh, you had to go through that experience. And the medical examiner said a 38-year-old healthy young man should not have died, but the medical examiner also said that they have seen too many instances of this. Yeah, your your story really uh, hit hits home for me. Not because I have anywhere near of that similar experience, but just because I'm what I would consider a really young and healthy adult male, who is probably roughly the same age that your son would be. I'm 41. I was mostly an extract user, but I uh, I did those those can get expensive, and I, I I had purchased that particular brand when I was trying to taper off and just at various points while I. Yeah, it's, I'm just so sorry that you had to go through that. What I didn't realize, but what I didn't realize 
until after he passed away, that's when I became, I went into a dark place. That's when I tried Kratom because there was some here still. Okay. And I was in a dark place and I thought, well, if he died from this, that's before I got the autopsy back. And I'm just saying, well, I'm going to try it. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is a way I can go be with my son. But I didn't know. I got, I got sick from it. I was sick. <laughs> It's like, how can anybody drink this stuff? Obviously, I went to the doctor and, you know, grief counseling, journal writing. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I think it was, well, more than a couple weeks later, and that was the following May, May of 21, I believe. I just woke up one day and decided, you know, I, I really need to do something. And that's when I started the group. And then once I started researching and talking to other people that were addicted in researching and reading and, and going into the quitting, the quitting Kratom groups and sharing my son's story. I saw the signs with my son and I didn't see it with him. I just, I didn't. The weight loss, the mood yeah. changes, the sleeping, the skin color. I didn't notice the skin color change until I did his memory board with the pictures. Yeah. I think it can be, you know, easy for, those changes can be subtle. It's kind of like, you know, when, it's like, whoa. when you think about something like climate change, right? It happens so, so over such a long period of time that it just seems like it's normal. And like, like the money he his, spent and just with his, you know, being working so hard, you could, you could probably attribute all those symptoms that you mentioned to fatigue too. Right. So I think, yeah, I just blamed it on work. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably the natural thing that most people would do. Right. Like I said, I didn't know anything and, Wow, Somebody just told him about it. You know, use this. It's it's good for energy. It's safe. It's natural. That's what he was told. I had um, my my experience is a little bit different. I I was a recovering alcoholic, and I was having like, I don't know. I just I wasn't ready to be sober. I think, and basically, some some time in about eight or nine months in, I had heard someone said, you know, this is a this is a, that you could try. It's it's non toxic. It's non addictive. It's you know it's helped a lot of people with getting, you know, cravings for alcohol. And, oh, it certainly helped, but I know why it helped, because it was a partial opiate antagonist along with everything else that's in there triggering that. I think that's an experience that a lot of uh, people we talk to and, you know, a lot of people that I've encountered online too, that's that's their experience. You're, you're led to, to believe that that this substance is, is, is innocuous as something is, or even probably less so than something like, you know, recreational marijuana or something like that. Right, right. Well, thank you uh, again for, for being being vulnerable and sharing that story. I, I think it's important that we create some space to talk about this so, you know, people can can hear more more about as, as painful as these experiences are, what happen what can happen just because it's important. So I've I've joined your Facebook group. Yes. I've, I've enjoyed being a part of it. Yeah, for for the listeners, the group is Kratom Danger Awareness. Um, so I've seen similar stories from other parents, family members, as as yours. Can you tell me a little bit more about your your goal and mission for for the group as it stands now? Oh, my goals. My goals are to save one more life, help someone come off. I mean, I do get phone calls. I have helped some get into detox. I've helped some with money. Because they can't afford to buy their children diapers because their hum husbands are so addicted. Yeah. Or right now we're in the process, someone else and someone else that's in another state trying to help another 
mom relocate because of the addiction to Kratom, her husband, and abuse. So there's stuff that I do on the outside, behind the screens, behind the scenes. Somebody with food that needs food. Um, I've done similar things. I recently saw someone post that they were short $30 to get their Suboxone script, and I sent them some money because I, you know. Yes. My mission to spread the awareness of the dangers of Kratom. What stories do you typically hear in your Facebook group? You know, like, uh, obviously, I've seen quite a bit of the uh, addiction and deaths, but I've also, I think some of the other things I've seen there on like articles and stuff can be interesting. Besides those, you always get every now and then some from the pro community that'll pop in and share their point of view. I mean, they do tend to sneak into the group. I get that too. I I moderate at quitting Kratom and um, we get people that sneak in every once in a while. I even have, we even have questions like, are you a Kratom vendor? And sometimes I've even had people answer yes. Like they didn't even have questions. Listen to this one. I don't know if I should share this one, but somebody tried joining today and his name is Matt Caddo. <laughs> I know who that is. That's like, okay, I really don't think I'm going to let you in. But <laughs> most of the stories are about addiction or those that have been sober for 365 days or I've been clean for four days. Those are the things I like to hear. And four days is, is four days. To me, that's that's heartwarming. The families that lose somebody, every time somebody joins that lost a son is my PSTD. That's a trigger for me. But I love to hear the stories of somebody that's been kratom-free for one day. That's not how I wanted, that's not how I started my advocacy group. It was supposed to be just a support group for those that lost somebody. And then I got my first person that reached out to me privately that needed to quit. She was on the open. OMPS, OPMS, OPMS shots, and I let her in, and that was the beginning. And we're pretty close to 2,000 members now. I had some family members that were kind of upset with me, and I said, would your child or husband or brother or sister, wouldn't, wouldn't they want this? We, I need to be there to help everybody. I know my son would have wanted that. So it's yeah. also about addiction. Yeah, resources are important. Are important. Particularly with this substance, because there's very, very few of them. It's not like alcohol or opiates or cocaine or something like that, where there's a large, experienced group of professionals that are there to help. There's there's hardly any of that, unfortunately. But it's it's starting to grow, and I think there's a growth. And I met somebody on TikTok that um, has rapid detox in Michigan. It's a hospital with doctors that put you under to sleep. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. I've seen that for, for opiates. Is there anything that has surprised you, either in the interactions you have with people in your face group or as you speak about Kratom in other forms with folks? I mean, nothing really surprises me anymore. Well, <laughs> fair enough. the new products that are coming out, I guess, that surprises okay. me. Uh, I mean, I thought I was flabbergasted about a year or so ago. And I saw that Kratomets, a cigarette, that was made. Really? Now, I, I hadn't seen it. Oh, yes. And I sent that off to um, the FDA. But now the vapes, vape pens coming out of California, there's vapes. But now the high concentrated seltzers, it's just like every day, every single day, I see something new. So tell me a little bit about the, the AKA. Have you had any interactions with them or, <laughs> or any, anything there? 
Yes, yes, uh, very much so with that community. I mean, I did share my son's uh, reports probably about a year and a half or so ago with them, a certain group. I did. I said, it's toxicology. I have nothing to hide. So I asked, what do you need his toxicology report for? We just have to make sure that, you know, that's what he died from. And there was no other drugs in his system, alcohol or whatnot. So I said, okay, I'll send it to you. And I did. You know what they did with it? They took it to make sure he was real, my son. I didn't fake his death. The medical examiner was real. The place of uh, autopsy was real because the question was, why was his autopsy done in one county and he lived in another? I had to explain it was an unattended death, so he had to go to a forensics in another county. I live in Oneida, so he had to go to Onondaga in a secured location. Because I was told I made up his death. My son didn't exist. I mean, that's... That was, that was horrible. Yeah, or... It's like the worst thing you could... Check his Facebook. That's, that's gone through that. They've, they've told me that you better check your son's Facebook. He is, he's part of the American Kratom Association. He has a friend here. When you were gone, he actually left to go shoot up. I have all this. I have all the screenshots, the messages. My son didn't do social media. He didn't even like gossip. I think he had Instagram to, he's got one post on Instagram to put out his business there. And then he didn't like Instagram, so he just stopped. Had it all. I've had death threats. The latest one, the, the last one that was just out this world is one I put in the group, the screenshot, and, you know, go kill myself. And it's just, they're, they're horrible, horrible people. Yeah. I'm not selling the all on Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nuance to every situation in every group, right? But yeah, there's a, there's a definitely a loud, I don't know how big they are, but there's definitely not only the AKA, but just the pro community that is very much out there gaslighting people and saying that your experience isn't your experience. We, we hear it all the time. Like most of the comments we get on the podcast are the first one is I need help and um, I'm struggling. Can you help me? Which obviously like, that's why we're here. So like it's people saying like our experience isn't true. Like we're just making all this up or, or I get weak willed people. And, and that's why we got addicted to stuff, which like, no, no, it's an addictive substance. And, you know, sure. Some people can take addictive substances and be fine. And some people can't. But, you know, yeah, or I get I will die if you take my plan away, I will die. And then I'll come back and I will tell them if you really feel that you're going to die, then I think the problem is way beyond Kratom. And then I'll give them the 1-800 suicide hotline number. I do. I'm not being sarcastic. There, there's a problem there. What, what I find interesting is there's a lot of people that have gone from sorry, from opiates into Kratom. And I. I don't remember the YouTuber, but I've, I've seen a bunch of his videos. And what I liked about it is he, he's always like, everybody I know that, that has gone from Suboxone to Kratom or Oxy to Kratom or heroin to Kratom or whatever, he doesn't know anybody that's gotten off it. They've all just switched. So it's, it's, not, it's not an approved treatment for opiate use disorder. It's not an approved treatment for anything. And I understand that there's a percentage of the population that is like anti-big medical and I can sort of see that. But at the same time, like there comes a point where you have to kind of take a look at how you're using a substance and ask yourself, like, am I truly using this as something to help with a problem? Have I actually developed a habit and potentially an addiction? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. If you're using the Kratom to come off opioids, I get it. I've never, ever said 
that kratom could not be used for a medicinal purpose. My problem is I've never seen science to back up the safety or that it's okay. I've never said that there wasn't a use for medicinal purposes. But if you are using it to come off opioids, it's a tool. It should be used as a tool, not to be on it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. That's what I've always asked. And why are you still on it five years later? Are you just changing one, trading one drug for another? When it comes to kratom regulation, you know, what specific regulations would you like to see when it comes to kratom and kratom products like extract gummies? Like where, where would, what do you think your ideal kind of position is? I know there? extracts don't belong, period. I know my son didn't take an extract. We're in the process right now to find out if powder he was using was an extract. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know I've been finding and seeing tea powders have been actually extracts, but not labeled on the bag. About regulating, just I have a problem with how can something be regulated and dosed, properly dosed, when, you know, everybody's body is chemically different. No two people are the same. So one If I'm on a medication, I don't know, say an antidepressant, and you're on the same antidepressant, no two people are going to be on the same dose. So how can they regulate a Kratom product in the same doses across the board? That I guess I don't understand. How can you put on a bag no more than two capsules per day or however they're going to put it on there per hour or and no more than two and a 12. I, I, that I, I just, I guess I can't get through my head. I have seen in some of these groups that I should not be in, those consuming Kratom that are on 11 and 12 prescription medications, plus some other illegal substances. But I have also known a mom, a few family members that have lost someone that consumed Kratom. One example they were on a prescription allergy medication, a medication, no health problems, just allergies, and died. So then again, no two people are alike. So that I have a problem with as far as the regulating part. How can you regulate something that there's just no science? There's too many unknowns. I mean, I mean, Dr. McCurdy's been studying this for how long, and it's still. I don't have uh, a good answer. To- my my sort of personal view on on regulation of kratom is I would like I don't I'm not pro ban only because I don't bans work and stop people from doing things that create a black market they they penalize addicts what I'm what I would like to see is similar to I think it would be like a combination of how alcohol recreational marijuana is regulated and how like cigarettes are kind of packaged and regulated in Europe where there's like these warning labels explaining all this stuff. And you have, you know, 21 years old and you, you know, and you know exactly what you're getting. And, you know, I don't, extracts, I also, I don't, I don't really see the, that those need to be in the marketplace either. I don't think freedom should be sold in gas station to vape shops. I would agree with you there. That should not happen. But I don't know about online because you're never going to stop that. There's yeah. thousands and thousands of vendors online. And I don't truly believe half of them even on the American Kratom Association's website, are even really testing. Um, I don't even know I'm, what they could really be testing for and how they could even test a full batch. Well, my son's Kratom, after I have a lawsuit out, I have a lawsuit. And once that came out, the website, they shut it down. Now they got a whole new one. And now they're all of a sudden GMP approved and 
which they always been, I believe, and they're testing. But they do not sell only in gas station and vape shops. My son bought his in a country mar- mar- market, whatever you call it, same place for all the time he used it. So there was no variation there. I don't I know. know. I'm... Batches, too. They all, like, I've bought in the same brand. of One batch has been drastically different than the other. And exactly. In effect, so. See, that's the other thing I was going to talk about with regulation. How can you regulate something that's, it's never the same unless, you know, we all know Tylenol comes from the same place. I know that does harm to some people, whether it's alcohol, cigarettes, it's all federally regulated. Kratom came from how many vendors or manufacturers? I'll doing something different. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's that is that is a, a interesting challenge. Like when I I live in a, a state in Maine where recreational and medical marijuana is legal, and you know it is here way, in New York now. Yeah, and the way that works is everything is when they test, they can tell you, you know, like when it was grown and the exact amount of THC and A B, like all the different chemical compounds in it probably because there's so much history to it too. But I think the bigger, the, the reason why it's easier to do that is because most of the, the marijuana is actually grown in the state that it's sold or grown in the United States, whereas Kratom is, is coming from, from Thailand and, and, you know, Southeast Asia and Malaysia. And If they had just one grower and it happened in the United States, well, then that's a whole different story. I know there's a botany farm in Miami. If that was just the one farm, That'd be a different story because then you knew where it came from and it's just one bat, one farm. and But you got it coming from all, all over the place. Yeah. I, that's where I'm at. Okay. You know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I think, I think we agree on a lot of it. Maybe, maybe differ a little bit on, on where, where the regulations would land. But I think, there, I think there was a good next step would probably be, from my perspective, like you said, stopping the sales of gas stations and vape shops immediately making it so there's a tighter control on the supply yes and you know doing some some really really intense kind of studies on it a little more which i know there's some but i don't think there's robust they're not they're not good enough anecdotal studies anecdotal is just not good enough for me and these kcpas and the federal kcpa they're just they're there just to protect the manufacturers and the vendors they don't protect the consumers in my opinion no, they, they don't. And I know a lot of, what I always find that's kind of funny is a lot of Kratom users, like they, they'll bash things like Suboxone or, or Methadone. And, and it's like, well, in my opinion, at least those have gone through like rigorous, you can, you can say what you want about the FDA and big pharma and all that. And there's a whole hell of a lot of problems there that oh, I, yeah. would not, oh, I would yeah. not dispute. But I think at least you have to go through typically a 10 year period before you find a compound for for a drug and actually get a drug to market. And there's so many different levels of testing there. So I think at least you know that if the doctor's prescribing you that, it you have a better chance of survival versus, you know, some batch of Kratom that could have heavy metals or God knows what in it. So Yeah, it's 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 sad. I mean, because what's it going to take? More deaths? Now, I listened to a webinar from Dr. Barry Logan, who is the CEO, I forget his title, from NSM Labs. And this is just from 2020. I, d- I emailed him a couple of days ago on an average of 100 months of deaths from Kratom. Mm, wow. and, and yes, some are poly drug, you know, and I'm not disputing that, but Kratom's still in the mix. So is Kratom interacting with the illicit drugs? You don't know. You don't. 
my other my other problem with the the whole like when they're like well they had other drugs in their system is well so did so do like a lot of people that get fentanyl deaths attributed to them like they have coke and got you know yes booze and benzos and but that but it's like they can we have sophisticated enough toxicology strains that can show you like the levels and which one actually actually pushed the person over you know the, the edge point of point of death death yeah. see like my son they also tested him for gabapentin and i asked the medical examiner why gabapentin my son didn't use drugs and he said that was one of the main drugs that they do become addicted to to detox or taper off kratom yeah it's very, his it's experience. very popular and i said well he didn't use drugs and he's never come off Kratom. I, he became dependent on it because he didn't have that addiction personality. He didn't do anything, but he had to test for it because that's part of their drug panel. They have a patent. I mean, they yeah. tested him for everything, uh, which I thought was strange when I saw Gabba Patent. Yeah, it's the tough kind of thing to try to wrap your arms around and then what to do about it. Well, there definitely needs some changes. There needs to be some changes. Would I like to see Kratom? behind a wall like medical marijuana yes that's where i would like to see it okay yeah i I think that's a that's a honestly i think that's a a reasonable approach that lets you know adults that know the risk and and what i would like to see is know the risk that they're getting into none of this bullshit that it's like as safe as coffee and all this other it's not coffee and i'm so sick of hearing be off yeah just be honest about it (laughs) sick of hearing it well it's the coffee plant or you can die from water they're rare. Deaths from water is rare. Or they just, they keep throwing it in my face about the water. Water, water, that, water, that, water. That, that's hilarious. That's not hilarious. It's just sad and, and pathetic is what it honestly is. Denial. But, Denial. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I think the industries that have been successful with keeping, you know, pro- like alcohol and tobacco, like eventually you have to get to a point where you acknowledge that your your product is deadly and that, you know, but it's a product and people want it and you're okay with, you know, being the person that's supplying it. And, you know, if that's what you want to do. People know what they're doing. Yeah. People know what they're doing when they're drinking and driving. Yes. When they're consuming alcohol. So I don't want to hear that people die from drinking alcohol or driving while drunk. They know what they're doing. Kratom's a whole different story. Yeah. Like I, I have a very extensive history with alcohol and I, I knew what I was when I was a teenager, when I first drank that, that, where it could lead to and that's a choice i made willingly with kratom i don't think it was the same like i i read conflicting information and i you know chose to believe the the lesser of of the of the bad information and you know but i was i never thought it would have led me to where it led me to that's no i truly believe deep in my heart if my son knew what he was consuming he wouldn't have i don't think i would have either my son had too much to live for his boys his mother, life. He was happy. He was just, he was a ball busting, happy go lucky kid. He would, he would tell you to have a nice day, whether to tell, he would never get in an argument with anybody, especially with this business. You know, if somebody got in it to with him, you would just tell them, have a nice day. You know? Yeah, I know. That's- and I miss him. I just, it's just every day, three years later, I just miss him. From what? A needless plant. Well, I'm, again, I'm, I'm really sorry that. You know, you, but, had to, you had to go through that. Well, on a lighter note, we always like to, as we come to the end of these, ask a lighter question to kind of bring us back. So uh, I've been 
now that I've gotten my myself back on the the sober and straight and narrow train, I've uh, congratulations. Travel. Thank you, thank you very much. I've enjoyed travel a lot. So, what I'd love to ask you is, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you like to go and why? On my bucket list is Sydney, Australia. I heard really my good brother about Sydney. Yeah, my brother was in the Navy and used to send me stuff from there when he was there, stationed. And that's on my bucket list. Well, as we come to a close here, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience or, you know, anything in general or any questions you want to ask me? I think we all covered it. But if there's anybody out there that would like to join Kratom Danger Awareness, I also have a website. It's KratomDangerAwareness.org. Um, I try to updated information on there as I find it. If anybody, you know, wants to talk, they can always reach out to me. And I want to say, Kratom Sobriety, you're an amazing podcast. I listen to you all the time. Oh. You, you've helped many. Really, truly enjoy listening to the podcast. And I want to thank you for having me. You're, you're most welcome and so glad you're here and that you could um, share your your son's story as well as your advocacy and those resources that you have to help others. So for the listeners, we'll, we'll provide links to both Wendy's website and her Facebook group in the show notes. So if you're wanting to check those out or join, you'll be able to do so. And Wendy, thanks again for joining us. I wish you, you know, continued success in spreading awareness and helping to raise, raise awareness for other dangers with Kratom. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy and Jacob, for that interview. I'd like to share some scientific articles on the topic. The first is from Current Addiction Reports, published this year, written by Donna Papson and co-authors. They analyze toxicological data from postmortem cases from January 2018 to September 2022, and they concluded, quote, the denial that Kratom use does not result in fatalities is false and misleading. Kratom has been confirmed as a sole finding in overdose deaths and has played a role in other adverse effects, including liver injury, seizure, and coma, unquote. The second article has Christopher McCurdy and others as co-authors. It was published this year, too, in SSRN. The summary of it is from 2020 to 2021 in Florida alone, 550 people died from kratom-related intoxications. Most were multi-drug fatalities, yet 353 were determined to be caused by kratom, and 21 were kratom-only deaths. In the study, researchers declared that kratom-associated deaths, even while involving other substances, are, quote, indeed a legitimate, serious public health concern, unquote. In a third article, consuming kratom can inhibit particular enzymes crucial for processing various compounds, including prescription drugs, potentially leading to adverse drug interactions such as serotonin syndrome, organ toxicity, heart abnormalities, and in extreme cases, fatalities. That article was in Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics. It was published this year too in March with a slew of authors. And the last article also has a bunch of co-authors as well and was published this year in clinical and translational science. They looked at kratom-related instances in the FDA's adverse event 
reporting system fires from January 2004 through September 2021, and these academics found that, quote, kratom-related accidental death was estimated to be 63.1-fold greater than expected. Eight signals indicate there were an excess number of reports about addiction or drug withdrawal, unquote. I will put links to these articles in the show notes. And until next time, keep it kratom-free. Mm-hmm.